0: hello and welcome to another edition of the uh, One Hood Power Hour. It's a lot happening today and so I am so thankful for you all tuning in and joining us um, on this Monday, June 27th there's a lot happening and so first we just want to talk you know about what happened over the weekend. We know on Friday the Supreme Court, Um, overturn Roe v. Wade. And so later on in the program, we're going to have a conversation with Planned Parenthood CEO, uh, Sydney Etheridge, and incoming board president, Dr. Cheryl Hall Russell. But before we get to that conversation, a lot of stuff is happening um, here in Pennsylvania and um, around the nation. So first, you know, we are in the final hours as we get to the budget deadline. So here in Pennsylvania, we have until June 30th to pass a budget um, here in Pennsylvania. So we don't quote unquote go on into, you know, shut down procedures here in Pennsylvania. Um, the legislature and the governor have to work together to come to an agreement. Um, the Senate um, is in negotiations right now with not only the governor, but um, both parties. And we have over $15 billion of a surplus that we are negotiating over here in Pennsylvania. So you remember a couple of shows ago, we had Nick from We the People come on and talk about people's budget and the request to have $2 billion of that 15 go to invest in community resources um, and improvements. And so we're going to see for the next couple of days what um, if any changes are going to be made again some of the things that have to go through and be supported by the pennsylvania legislature or you know its local infrastructure um, outside of what the federal infrastructure covers um, funding for education funding for senior citizen homes uh, funding for programming after school programs food programs And so there's a lot of things that people are debating over, again, with the change to Roe v. Wade. There is an ongoing conversation about that additional uh, funding and what that means for here in Pennsylvania. And so, some of the sticking points that people are arguing over, of course, is education funding, um, funding for uh, returning citizens, funding for housing vouchers and programs. Um, there's a couple of bills to have funding to help landlords and homeowners improve their homes and so there's a lot of things that happen and right now you know they have until the 30th um, today the senate announced that they were actually closing and canceling the session because they haven't been able to come to an agreement and so as there is deadlock in harrisburg we may be facing a reality that come june 30th we may not have a working budget for pennsylvanians so you need to make sure you're paying attention calling your elected officials um, and getting them to really, really come together and pass a budget. Because again, unlike many other areas, even with inflation and happening, um, Pennsylvania does have a, a surplus of over $15 billion that can be used to um, not only help Pennsylvania's now, but later on down the road. And so it's one thing you want to uh, be paying attention to is the upcoming budget sessions. Another thing is here today um, in in Pittsburgh, uh, Mayor Ganey uh, had a press conference where he actually advocated not only for gun control measures, um, he called logical gun control measures, but he also advocated for cities to have the power to make their own decisions and have that power removed from the legislature. So here in Pennsylvania and the Commonwealth, um, the state legislature actually is in charge of a lot of things that control um, cities and, and counties, um, because based on population, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are second-class cities. And so No city in Pennsylvania is really able to make its own rules around gun uh, gun legislation and regulation. It is solely a power held at the state legislature. And today, um, during the press conference, um, uh, Mayor Ganey talked about wanting to have logical gun control measures, um, and having that power reside within local mayors so that they're able to respond to issues that impact their cities that may not be happening um, in other areas. And this of course is um, coming behind conversations about safety and community investment as you know, gun violence has hit here in Pittsburgh as it has in other places. And there's one way that the Ganey administration would like to stop and and curb some of this gun violence is by doing various gun control um, methods and efforts. Of course, as the Supreme Court just recently um, ruled the other week that gun control has to be regulated and weighed against the right to self-defense and the right to defend oneself once they leave the home. There's ongoing conversations about what gun safety gun control, and gun regulation really means and how it can impact or disrupt cycles of violence. So that's, again, another conversation that you want to stay tuned for um, because that will be another long uh, battle that's going to be decided in the courts because, again, that power right now in Pennsylvania solely rests with the legislature. Um, in addition to that, you know, here in Pennsylvania, there is an ongoing conversation um, with our elected officials because Pennsylvania is one of these places where you do not have to uh, live and reside to run for office. And so there's ongoing conversations about residency requirements for um, people in Senate and in Congress an addition ongoing conversation around how much funding can be uh, put into campaigns because campaign finance is also different here um, in Pennsylvania and some other states. And so again, a lot of stuff that's happening On the local level is also happening on the national level. And we're talking um, on the national level also don't want to forget things that are happening internationally. Um, We know that over the weekend there was the immigration crisis, Um, you know, be in between Morocco and the Spanish border that saw over 20 African migrants get um, shot down by police forces um, as they as the migrants attempted uh, to seek a refuge and solace. And so we also want to be thinking about um, our immigration and reforms, not only as they happen here, but as they happen overseas, because a lot of these inflation and, and gas prices is not only causing disruptions, um, here locally, but also abroad. And you're going to be seeing more of that um, as the war between Ukraine and Russia continues. There is, of course, you know, the battle over resources uh, um, and that is coming down to gas prices and gasoline um, as this war rages on. So you want to also be understanding that what happens internationally does impact us on the local level and as people are working towards peace in the region, understand that there is um, some um, opportunity locally uh, for gas prices to either increase and or decrease. There is an ongoing movement to waive the gas tax so that gas can become more affordable There's also uh, a movement following what people did, what Governor Newsom did in California is to give people um, another stimulus package to offset uh, the cost, the rising cost of gas. So things are, are changing all around. Um, The nation, and so as everyone is trying to prepare themselves to deal with the um, last few uh, rulings from the Supreme Court, um, their session is going to end this Wednesday, and there are expected to be a few more rulings around, you know, uh, environments and regulation today. There another ruling they came out, uh, basically saying that uh, teachers are allowed to lead religious um, uh, prayers Um, in moments uh, while um, on school property, um, while um, engaging in school activities. So, um, and this comes after the Supreme Court ruled last week that federal funding dollars can go to private religious institutions. So the um, long-held precedent of separation of church and state is being narrowed. So there's a lot of things that are changing uh, with this ongoing Roberts Court that we want to pay attention to. And so as all of these things are changing, people are are still being impacted. And so our first guest, um, uh, Abu Edwards, who is the political action chair of the Philadelphia branch of the um, NAACP and a voting rights activist organizer, as well as an anti-violence organizer, um, has been really on the ground uh, trying to not only organize and galvanize people around voting but around community responses to ensure that their rights um, are supported and and codified and so you want to welcome to the program our first guest Abu Edwards welcome to the power hour Abu.
1: Thank you so much Dr. Miracle I truly appreciate you bringing me and inviting me um, and it's an honor to be on your show today
0: uh thank you so much and like i said you have been like really really busy like organizing and galvanizing people we've had a bunch of these supreme court decisions come out on top of that you know we have the crisis of uh what our pennsylvania budget is going to be so what are some of the things that you're hearing like on um as you're talking to people about the issues that impact them
1: i mean a few things is um you know the role, you know uh Reverse versus Wade, you know, was a wake up call for a lot of us. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, it didn't catch us sleeping. But I think along the way, you know, with our ancestors and the older generation, we've kind of had a disconnect because this decision should have never happened. Um, and, you know, when I say that our vote is more important now than it's ever been in our life, like there are attacks to roll back the times. You know back to where our grandparents were fighting to roll the time forward and we have to make sure that we all step up and we get it and we fight you know we can't be out there talking about gun violence we can't be out there talking about the lack of education we can't be out there talking about child you know adulthood literacy illiteracy and then childhood literacy we have to be out there all this connects back to voting because if we don't show up on the polls every six months when we're supposed to vote, then we're also missing the opportunity to make our voice heard and to make government truly works for us. Um you know, with you know with with the state of Pennsylvania and looking at the incarcerated brothers and sisters across this uh, state, I believe that Pennsylvania represent like eleven point nine percent of African Americans um but also represent more than fifty two percent of the prison population. That's a problem. You know, when we talk about our kids not graduating and third graders, 70% of third graders in in, in Philadelphia can't read um, at their average, that's a problem. If you don't think that those 70% of third graders who can't read and write and we're not giving resources to, you don't think that they're going to end up incarcerated, they're going to end up shooting in public, they're going to end up, you know, running in people's houses, we have to make sure that we are stepping up to this, to this, to this, um, to these issues, but we also have to make sure that we're stepping up with these to these issues with our vote in our hands and casting our vote. There's a reason while there's amendments and constitution, uh, constitution uh, amendments to allow black people from voting. We've seen it over and over and over again. Black people, especially black women, have saved this country over and over and over again. And it's up to black men who are the missing demographic, not just in Pennsylvania, but throughout the country, it's up to as, as black men as well for us to step up and for us to get out there and for us to vote in record numbers, not just during the presidential, but every six months. you know. We have to understand that everything that goes on in our life when it comes to these issues, we have to take it to the poll. Well it's 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 issues like you know, you know, uh Roe versus Wade, where it's like, you know, we're fighting and we're mad. But if we were coming out, you know, in record numbers and if we were demanding that our elected officials listen to us, then I don't think that we will gotten to this point. We would never elected Donald Trump if black people, especially a lot of black men. Um, Would stepped up and said, "Okay, we're going to vote." Um, You know, we, you know, every six months there's a a very important election, and we've saw through this country, especially with this case, is that judges do matter. You know, judges do matter now in the state of Pennsylvania, and I just want to make it clear: the state of Pennsylvania is a safe state for abortions, but that can change next year if we don't show up to the polls in November. Women can get their voices taken away in in Pennsylvania. If we don't show up to the polls in, uh, in November, and that's what we have to understand, it's important that we're knocking on our doors to our grandparents. We're going to our neighbors. We're getting those young people. We're we're creating opportunities to engage those young people to show them and connect to them about the issues that they're dealing with in their communities, and by going to the polls on election day, and also while the history shows that Black people have fought and and and, and that's fought and 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 died and got killed just to register just to march across the admins bridge just to have their voices heard on election day so that that they know that even if their, their circumstances right now wouldn't change that they were making the difference for the circumstances of the future to change and that's what we have to understand we may not see the change right now but we have to come together start building it so that our change will be in the next few years and a few months we can't have like now is you know uh, what's his way? Are we gonna have you know? Um, are we gonna have uh you know? Um, was it the um was it, um uh, the, the I, just, I I just totally forgot. Um, we just have to be very mindful, um, and and understand that our eyes have to be open. We have to talk to each other. We have to love each other, and we have to mobilize um you know with each other because this is just one step of a small group of people in America who think that they can just run this entire country. And time after time after time, Black people have came to the rescue to this country, have voted in record numbers, and still in 2022, there are a group of people who are trying to put barriers up for people of color to prevent them from voting. In 2020, when we had the early rise of the pandemic, you know, Black people came out and voted in record numbers. People were sick, People, parents was dying, but people still got up and they still went to the polls. And you can't stop that. You know, when Dr. King died and and when we look at our leaders like Dr. King and Malcolm X, one thing they didn't understand is that they can take our leaders, but they can't stop the movement. And that's important for our work, is the fact that we can go the day or tomorrow, but the work is going to remain the same and it's gonna be passed on from generations to generations. And we can't lose this momentum of organizing and bringing our people. There's, we, there's no, we cannot continue to be quiet. We cannot continue to make fun or laugh or, or, or make comic out of what is going on in our country. We have to understand that as black people, we are being attacked. And as in the millennial generation, the largest voting block generation in the country, we can literally wake up today or tomorrow and decide that we want to change this world. We can 10% of our voting bloc can vote every six months. And we can put a governor in and, and, and our governor's mansion. We can put a, a good legislator who cares about issues like education and fighting gun violence. We can put a mayor in a, in, a, in a city you know, who cares about the young people and the youth and providing opportunities. That's what our vote is going to do. And even though we feel like our vote don't matter, at least look at the, your neighborhood. Look at the young person who you know, you know, who may not have a mattress to go to sleep at night, who are parents, who's working two or three jobs, who can't even go and pick up that child's report card. That they're, they're single parents. and we And that's the reason why our vote is gonna be more important, especially going into this November election, because even right now they passed legislation in the state house, it passed through the house, and now it's going through the Senate, the gubernatorial candidate, uh, Mastriano, introduced a poll worker bill, meaning that now poll workers have to, you have to literally, in order to be a poll worker in your county, you have to live in your county. He uh, introduced legislation where technically anybody who's registered to vote in the whole entire county and the state can go to any county and be a poll worker. And if you don't think that's a problem, that's going to open the door for intimidation tactics. You know, white folks, and we've heard it all the time, white folks pulling up in pickup trucks and going into communities. And I'll be honest, if you haven't seen it, I've seen it in, in this past election in the Northeast. And I can't just imagine folks coming from Western PA, the center of the state, to come to Philadelphia, to come to Allegheny County and have poll workers, you know, who don't look like us, who are not from our communities, and literally guiding us in low key intimidation tactics to tell us who we should be voting for. And that's why it's important that everybody, you know, Hood is awesome. It's an excellent organization. Join it, become a part of it, but also become a part of your active NAACP chapter. Those are important. You know, we're the, 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 the oldest civil rights organizations in the country, the oldest civil rights organization in the country. And as we are building and, you know, kind of like, you know, bringing the older generation and the younger generation, we have the opportunity to really continue the legacy of fighting for for the rights of black and brown people and fighting, you know, uh, you know, and fighting against, you know, disfranchising of voters. So this is something that I take personal, you know, and this and this is something that, you know, voting, you know, ties into all of our core issues that we're fighting for every day on the front line. If we don't come out to vote, we cannot change gun laws. If we don't come out to vote, we cannot demand that our, our elected officials understand the issues if we don't vote then we can't send nobody to Harrisburg to the governor's office to the mayor's office to city council who want to include making sure that people who are incarcerated and who are eligible to vote have the opportunity to vote those are the leaders that we need to be pushing out if you are eligible and have the opportunity to vote you know we need leaders who understand that voting is important where if, like you're a student and you are in a pennsylvania state on school there should be an easy way for you to automatically register to vote you know and not miss that opportunity just because you leave one county or the other or you go away. We have to have you know real solutions about uh, you know uh, gun prevention you know in Philadelphia and Allegheny, Allegheny County you know those two cities you know those two cities alone sways the sways the, the, sways Pennsylvania and that's and, and the majority of those two cities are predominantly black. So it's like, you know, Philadelphia and Allegheny County, we have have the power to sway the next government. We have the power to really work together and put good elected officials in office. We have the power and the capacity to cross this state and to educate Black and brown voters on why it's important. I understand why Black and brown voters don't want to vote because every time we ask for something, we don't get it. You know, it's like we're always fighting, fighting, and fighting. But at the end of the day, we have to keep fighting. You know, if our ancestors were here now, you know, if you think this was fighting, I just can imagine what they were going through. And, you know, I, I just always think about, you know, when they were marching and when they were going to those countertops and when they were being turned or turned around, you know, when they were standing in long lines, you know, at the polling location, when they were, you know, marching and fighting for issues and getting sprayed and getting spit on and getting kicked and getting punched. Like, it makes me every day wake up and say, hey, Boo, I can do this work even more. Abu, there's work to be done. Abu, don't let these, don't let these folks, you know, bother, you know, get in the way of of you trying to, uh, you know, to get to the next level. So,
0: yeah, I really appreciate that. And as you're doing the work, um, you're also out on filling, you're organizing, and you understand that it's not everyone, a has the right to vote, um, and not everyone can vote. So, can you also talk about some of the work that you're doing um, for your community, neighbor to neighbor, um, around um, ac- activating people to kind of respond not only to the ongoing violence, but also to continue the supports from like, the lack of the COVID-19
1: response. Said so you broke off, I can't hear you, Miracle, I'm sorry. You
0: um, yes, it. I was saying, so... can you also talk about some of the organizing work you're doing in the community um, in response to uh, public safety um, and su- having community support each other um, outside of the voting?
1: So what we're doing um, is, you know, building coalitions, you know, bringing, you know, like I said, bringing different grassroots coalitions together and coming up with strategies. Uh, what we're doing is that every Saturday we're launching a canvas operation with the NAACP where we're actually going to the doors in Philadelphia and knocking on the doors and coordinating efforts with gun prevention organizations, uh, the Philadelphia Police Department, where they have a, you um, a youth program, our our fire department, where they have a youth program, we're connecting with our unions for their apprenticeships. So the goal is really for us to go to these neighborhoods and to kind of do a, a to do a canvassing operation. It's not just knocking doors and saying, Hey, you know, it is good for you to vote, but hey, you know, do you have young people in your household? You know, what about these opportunities? Is somebody struggling? We have to make sure that we're meeting people where they are and bringing resources to their table. Um, We're also going into some of these states, uh, and these counties, I'm sorry, and we're also, you know, with another organization I'm I'm working with, Our Voting is Local, we also are going into organizations and helping provide grants and money um, and financial support to help build capacities, because we all know that if we focus on gun violence prevention, then we automatically focus on voting rights, right? If we focus on, you know, supporting community initiatives, we're focusing on voting rights. Um, so you know it's literally you know and and I tell people all the time like every day we're trying to come up with new solutions on how to combat combat you know uh, gun violence and how to increase the voter turnout. So like I said, we're launching our Saturday um, you know Day of Actions. Uh, what we're also doing with the with our job Voting Coalition, as we're continuing to building it, we're like I said, meeting with One Hood, we're meeting with Pen Franchise, we're meeting with the Prison Society, League of Women Voters, and other organizations where we're going to have that day of action where we're going to have voter registrations in every county jail um, and giving those folks the opportunity to vote. We're also going to be working with PAU folks where they're going to be going inside the schools and registering students to vote but also getting information and talking to students on what they want to see done in their community and how can they be a part you know in civic engagement and tying them to community organizations um, that, that, that meet their yeah that, that meets their standards or something that they want to uh, volunteer uh, volunteer to. Um, So there's just a lot of good work um, that's going around, not just in Philadelphia, but, you know, through uh, the state of the Commonwealth.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that. And there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of great work that people are doing. For people who want to support you to get involved with either the Philly branch, the NAACP, um, or your um, Action Network, how do they get in contact with you?
1: If you are interested in um, following Millennials in Action, which is am a co-founder of an organization um, that I co-founded six years ago to engage urban black millennials uh, to get involved in the political process. Uh, we've been running campaigns, doing canvassing, um, endorsing our own elected officials who actually care about urban black millennials. Uh, we hire returning citizens and urban black millennials between the ages of 18 to 40. Uh, one thing that I am very like, i um, proud of about my organization is that, you know, we've literally came up with a, a, a strategy, um, to turn literally drug dealers into organizers. Um, and I think you know folks don't want to talk about it but drug deals are some of the best organizers there is um and you know and we took you know one of my we took my brother for example and you know that's really consistent of like canvassing come out the door and knock with me and once they get involved in that and they understand that listen like this is a good way I want to do something positive then we literally get them in we train them and and now a lot of those folks who came to Millennials in Action are running statewide programs, granting money to other nonprofits, because we truly care. We understand that, you know, the millennial demographic is the largest you know block, but when we always talk about the millennial word, it's always used as white millennials. So we created a black millennial pack. Um, the first black millennial pack in the state of Pennsylvania to literally just focus on mobilizing urban black millennials, especially uh, specializing in uh, organizing uh, black men. So if you want to um, follow us on social media, it's MIA underscore PAC. Facebook is Millennials in Action. Uh, My personal Instagram is Philly underscore 215. If you guys are interested in joining the NAACP of Philadelphia, uh, please reach out at philly, uh, philly, uh, NACP uh And we have 15 committees focusing on border registration, focusing on gun violence prevention, prison, economics, uh, labor, um, and uh, 12 other, uh, seven other committees. So feel free to reach out. And if there's anything I can do, uh, please reach out to Miracle myself. And I look forward to working with you guys, getting out the vote. And hopefully in November we can, um, you know, we can look back and see all the great things that we've done together.
0: All right, thank you so much, um, Abu Edwards, the political action chair of the NAACP Philly branch, the co-founder of Millennials in Action, um, and the grassroots organizer, you know, extraordinaire. I hope you um, are safe on the rest, you know, of your travels. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, and so again. Um, What Abu was talking about is ways that you're able to, some of the organizations are not only building voting um, uh, blocks and coalitions, but using that canvassing as a resource, not only to help people and give them resources, but also job opportunities um, that traditionally would not be there. And people look at um, our community. So as people are now galvanized to go back and, and start organizing the understanding that how you uplift your community and build your community is showing up and being there. And talking about, you know, showing up and being there since Friday, a lot of people have been trying to wrestle with how they show up for abortion rights, reproductive justice. And so we reached out to Planned Parenthood, which is to a lot of people like the, the organization of the face of abortion, but it's very important to understand that more organizations um, besides Planned Parenthood actually carry out um, abortions. And he wanted to reach out uh, to the Planned Parenthood of Southwestern PA, because like Abu said, um, abortion rights are still um, uh, codified here in Pennsylvania. Um, but there's a lot of things that went into Friday's decisions, a lot of fear that people uh, have and a lot of misinformation. As long as a historical uh, a narrative and precedent in reality, that has caused some people to have a negative impact of reproductive justice, and so we wanted to just talk about what Friday's decision means going forward. So, you know, welcome to the program, uh, Planned Parenthood of Southwestern PA CEO, Sydney Etheridge, and upcoming board president, Dr. Cheryl Hall-Russell, welcome you both to um, the Power Hour.
2: Hello. Hi. It's good, it's good to see you, Miracle. Hi. You going to... Have to uh, sit. He's gonna be pulling my coattail if I start getting political. But your boy had fired up and, and about to say something. That I had no business saying. Um, so i got gonna put on my my Planned Parenthood hat. Yeah, that's why I
0: love Abu. Like he will get you. Like you know what? Let me let me put all these dots together. I really appreciate that. But first of all, Doctor Russell, thank you so much for joining us. You shared on social media. You're on the you know the latter end of COVID. So I I want you. Thank you so much for for you know coming out and as you're still trying to heal. So I really appreciate um, of you for joining us. But first, I'm gonna go to you, Sydney. Um, what a what a way to start your you know your first six months. Um, you, you moved here to Pittsburgh, trying to you know expand reproductive justice in here in and, and, you know, southwestern of Pennsylvania, and then Roe happens. Can you just talk a little bit about um, Planned Parenthood's you know response? and what you want people to know um, about uh, abortion rights here in Pennsylvania.
3: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here coming back to the city of Pittsburgh and getting to be involved in this kind of way. Um, So as you had mentioned, I moved here in January. And prior to coming here, I was with the Planned Parenthood National Office for about 10 years. And so... Knowing that this decision was coming was something that was very top of mind for me when I was interviewing and kind of the the second I came on board, you know, on top of learning like where the printers were and everything, I was really focused on figuring out what we could do to begin preparing for this moment, knowing that six months, you know, six years probably wouldn't have been enough time, but what could we do in these six months to really um, help bolster our staff and make sure that we were going to be able to, to see patients when this decision came out? And so that's really been my focus since coming on board. And, um, you know, when we had the leak happen in May, as someone who came from D.C., seeing a leak like that was just so surprising because the Supreme Court, like nothing gets leaked from there. So that was really fascinating to see. Um, but it really did help us prepare for the worst case scenario, which ended up actually being our reality since the the leak draft opinion didn't change much from the final decision. And so, you know, once we had that and once we kind of knew that was what we had to really start preparing for, just continuing to work with our staff and kind of the abortion landscape and ecosystem here in Western Pennsylvania, but really across the state and the region to figuring out how we could really prepare for this potential surge because the number one and the most important thing for people listening and watching should know is that abortion is still legal in Pennsylvania and we're going to do everything we can to keep it that way and so I think since that leak came out we were just super energized to figure out what could we do for our patients currently but what are we going to have to do for the future knowing that this is going to be a very long fight.
0: Thank you for that and coming to you, uh, Dr. Russell. Um, you were talking about, you know, this this being a a, a true violation, um, you know, this overturning of Roe, but that you're, you know, the board is get, get galvanized like to fight. Can you talk about some of the things that you'll be in charge of as board president? I know you don't start until July. Um. So Three again, uh, the... a, a, you know, a, a feat to, to start. But yeah. can you just talk about some of the things like you're hoping uh, to accomplish? Um, as this whole fight now is going to be revigorated here in Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah. I mean, what a what a wild time, right? Um. You know, coming in as as a new chair, I almost felt guilty. You know, I was part of helping to to bring Sydney here, and I was like, oh man, did we bring you at a in at a time to but what we thought about when we we really thought about this when when we bought her here was it was going to have to be somebody that was going to be strong enough to be able to deal with this when well, because we knew the threat to role was real. And so coming in as uh, the board chair, I'm you know delighted to have a CEO that's this strong, but we weren't sitting still and uh, the and the time leading up to this decision, we were already talking about and what's next, you know this is our current political situation here here you know we we know that we are still going to have abortions available to those who who choose that option because it is their option as women to make that choice for themselves, but we also know the states around us are going to be changing dramatically. What does that lead up look like? how are we going to be ready to take on more traffic so this is a kind of planning and discussion work that we've been doing uh for Probably close to two years. We've been talking about this. So hurt, you know, uh, devastated. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that I, c- I can say, um, but what I won't say is that we weren't ready. Um, we still don't know exactly, Miracle, what this is going to look like um, because it's it's just unfolding so quickly. Uh, but this board is fully prepared. We have we have a meeting. We have been building relationships, and we are very supportive of the staff. Part of this will be, and, and uh, Sydney will speak to this, is really increasing increasing staff. We, we've we got some position openings that we need to fill. And those people who feel passionate about this work, we welcome you to, to look at the positions we have available because we're, we're not going to work in a panic. We're going to work in a strategic kind of way that shows consistent um, services and a continual services for the women that we care about, all women, not the women we care about. I don't mean to narrow that, but for women who are seeking our services.
0: Thank you for that. And again, you're talking about you know the staff who's been inundated with phone calls and, and visits and you know threats. And so we know that that you know your safety is also you know the utmost priority. That's why we didn't tag your personal social media accounts. Um, can you also just talk about some of how you're dealing and navigating the safety aspects um, of this? Because we know Pennsylvania still being a safe city. Um, I can say Pennsylvania is real. And so we, we still deal with the reality that there are people who are armed and violent who, who threaten um, all of us, you know, for the work that we do. So you just talk about like how you're uh, making sure that you and your staff um, are staying safe.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question and something that's really top of mind, especially for when you take a look at Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania, and then you see Allegheny Reproductive Health C- Health Center. Um, we are both the two independent providers in the uh, Western Pennsylvania, Allegheny County region, and we are both run by people of color. And so not only are we thinking just about, you know, what does this mean for increased protests with the Roe decision, but we're also just in a reality now where I just us to being uh, could be make us a target um, and also our staff and patients. And so security is something that has been top of mind for me being a part of the Planned Parenthood family for so long. I understand kind of the infrastructure that the national office and a lot of our affiliates have around security for both their staff, patients, um, and supporters, volunteers, and things like that. So really being in constant contact and tapping into that network and, and making sure that that we are safe and that we're doing everything we can, um, whether that's, you know, checking online threats and things like that, all the way to just like, you know, making sure that our dumpster is locked behind our building, because those things are so important. And so that's really something that we are always focused on doing. And um, it was funny, because actually, on Friday, I was meeting with some people from the PPFA security team when the decision came out, and we were talking, they were like, okay, we all have to go. But always in contact contact. contact, uh, not just with them, but also with the city of Pittsburgh, which have been just really uh, so supportive when I came on board met with um, uh, members of the police, uh, with like the regional FBI units. um, And we really just briefed on a number of different things like anti-abortion extremists and also white supremacy. And so just feeling very supported um, right now at this time, because like, I want to be out there and I want to be talking about this. And so, you know, um, just really making sure that we're doing that in a safe way so it doesn't bring harm to me, but most importantly to the clinics and the staff. And so, you know, really putting that top of mind.
0: Thank you um, for that. And um, you talked about um, meeting with some of the the different um, entities. One um, strategy people have been um, organizing is asking not only district attorneys, but um, local police chiefs to um, agree uh, not to um, enforce any type of arrest or prosecution of people who are seeking abortions or people who are providing abortions? Is that something that um, the board is, is thinking about doing or has uh, been doing, uh, Dr. Uh, Hall-Russell?
2: You know, we have not uh, really dug deeply into that particular conversation just because of where we are. It's not it's not an issue for our, our clients at this point. Now it could be for those who are traveling. You know, I noticed um um oh shoot, my, my brain just went dead. This is one of the things we call. My memory is sucking this past week, but there was some conversation about our uh, city county council uh, just you know kind of protecting those people who um are are coming to our clinics and and to make, making sure that the police are not, you know, kind of escalating situations where, you know, sometimes it sounds like we're talking about runaway slaves and patty rollers and, and, and states. It's, it's crazy as it sounds, boy, you can escape to the, to another state and, you know, go and get that one. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is how crazy the conversation sounds to me right now that we're having, where we're talking about having to protect women or having to migrate from other states to come and take care of their bodies this is women's health. And we are talking about how to protect them from policing and everything else from other states. And so, you know, I do hope um, that you know, it was Bobby Wilson, I think, who, whose account I was looking at today, that they really do pass something that ensures that we are safeguarding, that we don't become the police of women um, who are trying to 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 ensure that they are having healthy experiences with, with healthcare. Um, and, and I really hope we are able to partner with with the city police and with our, with our leadership here, with the the mayor and others to ensure that we don't become those people who are hunting down women seeking good health care.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, because I think it's very important for people who are seeking healthcare and access to abortions that they know that they're they're safe, their privacy is safe, um, and, and their freedom is safe. And Doctor, you know, uh, uh, Cheryl stole a little bit of our thunder, but like um, she mentioned, Sydney, um, tomorrow there's going to be a conversation um, about some of the legislation that's being proposed that would do some things such as. Uh, uh, prevent uh, people from being arrested and prosecuted for providing abortions and services to people um, who come here in southwestern PA. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your hope is for the legislation? I know you're um, a nonpartisan C3, but can you just talk about what why it's so important that we have Uh, people discussing this and, and, and what some of the other states that don't have this protection are facing.
3: Yeah, I think why things like this are so important is because we know at times like this, it's just the level of communication that patients or potential patients are getting is incredibly confusing uh, just to access the base service and then when you start layering discussions around kind of criminal charges or being arrested for for seeking this type of care it really just continues to instill fear um, in patients and this is all just used as a tactic and form of oppression kind of like dr. Uh, Cheryl had mentioned that this is just a way to kind of continue to oppress and strike fear in people and so it It's really important that we as advocates are are taking are being really clear about what we want to see here and what's happening and educating people on, you know, yes, you can still come here, you can still come to uh, Planned Parenthood, you can still come to Western Pennsylvania uh, for these services, but also, um, it's really important that we see people in positions of power step up at these moments and and really start making decisions and kind of putting a flag in the ground about uh, the values that so many of them have talked about or we have heard about. And so this is really exciting for me to, to be in the city at this time and have this type of support. So really looking forward to the conversation and events tomorrow.
2: Yeah. This isn't just a Planned Parenthood fight. I mean, uh, Planned Parenthood is centered because we are providing the, those Health services, but um, I think you know the decision has has made that really clear. The partners that we will need in order to to kind of get some of these rights back, and and you know what do we look like minus a Roe v. Wade? And so again, we're 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 big into the middle of it, but there are a lot of reproductive justice organizations. There are a lot of people who are passionate about this topic. It's kind of a hands on deck, all hands on deck moment for not just our community, but nationally, and I, and I, what I'm hopeful for, and, and I don't know that this will happen. I hope that this extremeness of this, this, this reality check will get people moving in a way that they've not moved before in terms of ensuring that, that our rights are, 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 you know, are really held in place and that women stay, because we're, we're living in a region where, you know, the health of black women is already questionable. And those of us, you know, you, you've seen the statistics of America. We've talked about them over and over again. This is yet something else. Um, as we talk in particular about Black women, that uh, it's going to impact our health in, in very negative ways that we don't have access. Because what we do know about what was happening before Roe v. Wade is people were getting abortions before Roe v. Wade, and they will continue to get them without. And we know enough now to know that many were dying and sick and, And all kinds of things are happening to them as a result of doing it in in non-legal ways. And so we have no intention of allowing people to have to return into that kind of crazy world. Um, And so hopefully people are fired up enough that this has the opposite effect of what was intended and that it it brings our movement together in a way that we've never seen.
0: Thank you so much for that. And you talked about um, Planned Parenthood is not the only organization that does abortions but we know um, one of the reasons people believe that is because that's been some of the disinformation to take away reproductive freedoms, especially given some of the more controversial um, beliefs uh, of the founder, Margaret Sanger. So can you talk about, um, as you are two black women who are in this position, fighting for abortion as healthcare, particularly for um, black women and black people, what does it mean to come into an organization that has this legacy and how are you trying to not only educate people about the legacy, but use that as a way to make sure that people have healthcare that works for them, that's with informed consent, and that's done in a reproductive justice way. I'll come first to you, Sydney, and then to you, Dr. Um, Russell.
3: Yeah. Thanks for this question. I mean, I think it is just so important... Um... Since my time starting at the Planned Parenthood National Office, I think this has just been something that's always just sat with me about being a part of an organization that can be so polarizing, particularly in the Black community. And what does that mean as a Black woman in this space? But I think first and foremost, it's so important to know that, you know, even though getting to step in this role as a Black woman... As an organization, there is so much more work that Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania and Planned Parenthood across the network needs to be doing to to really meet this moment at where, where it needs to be, in particular when we're talking about like other reproductive justice organizations and our partnership with them. And so coming here to Pittsburgh and getting to kind of step into a region that has such a such an exciting reproductive justice movement with organizations like New Voices and with so many leaders in the community. Um, i'm I really am here because of all of them. So getting to really learn is something that is so top of mind for me and really educate and humble myself about what this work needs to look like as we think about, How can Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania meet this moment? Because that is what Margaret Sanger did not do. And we need to pick that up. And we need to make sure that we are meeting the moment where it's at and that we understand and believe every single patient and person in this country is of value and should be able to be in control of their own body. And so that is the work we are picking up in partnership and learning so much from our RJ partners. Um, It just is such a time where we kind of have to band together. And so this learning um, is kind of happening at an accelerated rate, but everyone has been so open. And so I'm so appreciative of the Western Pennsylvania community and just the community at large, as we start these conversations and, and really look to
2: rebuild. Absolutely. I mean, um, Of course, this came up, you know, when I joined the board six years ago, Um, I wasn't unaware of that, of that history. Um, But I also was very aware of where we are now in the modern Planned Parenthood. I also was aware of the fact that for me at the time when I made the decision to come on, 30% of the patients being treated by Planned Parenthood looked like me. And I wanted to be a part of the organization that set the strategies and the goals, looked at how we were engaging intersectionally. With with our healthcare, that was a part of the voice and part of the decision making, a part of the awareness. I wanted to bring everything I knew into this. Um, and um, it, with an understanding of what that history was. But just standing on the outside of that was wasn't something, you know, when I was asked to come in to to be a part of it, I was very willing to do that because I, I know that we treat a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. And I I needed them to be represented on this board. And so, yeah, I didn't hesitate, you know, six years ago when I was, it's been that long, somewhere in there since, since I came on board, but it's been a minute and there has been no hint of that, but there is space for growth on a national basis. And even, I think part of me, and I'm sure my board members will, will share this is I am that person. And and there are other ones, voices with me of awareness about how we do navigate this space intersectionally, how, how, what our history has been and what we want, who we want to be. So, we're not shying away from any of that conversation at all, Miracle. Um, we, we're, we've just taken it on, and I think we're, we're the better for it. I'm very proud to, to come into this position.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, as some people say, what institution doesn't, hasn't been impacted by white supremacy, but I also say that just means you have that burden to change that narrative and change the reality, so I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful that both of you ha- have taken um, on these roles, and can you just talk a little bit about how people can um, support the organizations Um, What other organizations need a a, a support, whether it's donations, escort, people to volunteer as escorts. Um, Because a lot of people just want to do something, but they don't know what to do. So just talk a little bit. um, First, um, you, Sydney, and then you, Dr. How people um, can support. Yeah,
3: well, we, you know, on our website, you can go to ppwp.org, and we have our Get Involved tab. um, And it has all kinds of information about volunteering, um, about how you can kind of donate all of that stuff. But in particular, I do want to plug our Our Vivian Campbell Fund and then the Western Pennsylvania Fund for Choice, Uh, both of those are um, funds that can help women cover abortion services if they need the cost um, kind of reduced or they need it covered. So we just want to make sure that any patient who needs abortion services can access that without having to worry about that financial burden. So if people want to donate to there, um, it means just so much uh, to us and our partners at Allegheny Repro who are in this fight.
2: Yeah, I mean there could be some strain on our own budgets. Um, and so, you know, the fundraising is important. I saw somebody say the other day, well, this happened and they're using this as a fundraiser. No, we're using this as a reality check. We will need more funds to do the work that we need to do. And I am shameless about asking uh for for donations and to ensure that, that women can can safely come there and not and not fear. The fees or anything like that. We want to make sure that they're okay. We do need to to raise money to ensure that our security is good. I mean, we're okay right now, but this this is going to be an issue that that's going to get bigger. And so, you know, I I, I do ask that people consider gifts to to Planned Parenthood, ongoing gifts, uh, and being generous to to this movement and to other reproductive uh, health organizations or reproductive justice organizations. They all need this the support that we can give them now. As we coalesce together, that I, I, I hate to sound like I'm overstating the need for these community input and and togetherness around this, but this is a true time that we have to kind of step around these kind of barriers that get set up around philanthropy, who's getting what, and all of that. We need to figure this out as as a, as a community and and then as a nation. But right now, our focus, of course, is is you know Southwest PA, and and we are definitely focused in on ensuring that we're okay and those, and the women that come to us are are okay.
0: I know you're you're getting people from Ohio and and the Virginias. Um, and so there, there is a, a a huge need. Um, is there, do people need to show up to, to, um, to be, to escort people back and forth? Um, you talked about some of the positions that people are hired, you're hiring for we know because of like safety and security that's not always just like publicized for people who are doing this work or for providers from places like ohio and west virginia who now aren't able to do their jobs um how do they get in contact with you all to get hired so they can come to pennsylvania and and and, and help continue um um abortion um, healthcare access.
3: Yeah, on our website there, we have uh, all of our job postings. Um, like Cheryl mentioned, we have our healthcare assistants we're looking for. Uh, and so really just the support staff as well, but also always looking for clinicians and providers. Um, and you can also find their ways to um, escort. Uh, and you'll be connected with our volunteer coordinator, who I think like started like two weeks before the leak. And so <laughs> she has just been inundated with um, volunteers, but as real been building out an amazing program so if people want to work directly with patients they can if they want to support in other ways they can if they want to like do admin work because like shell said we are like an organization like sometimes we have things that like you know, we need to file things and shred things, or we have people who like, we need help um, all across. So, you know, so people are like, I don't want to deal with patients, or I don't want to be on the medical side, it's, we have something for you, if you want to, if you want to come in and help. And so that is all on our website. And people can feel free to reach out, um, because we are will never we wouldn't turn away someone interested in volunteering or supporting and helping our patients. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can't
2: hear you miracle
0: oh um, sorry perfect well thank you both <laughs> sorry um so much um for joining us uh, on this evening um again um uh, thank you for the work that you're doing We
2: hope you feel better dr no, Russ. I, russell so you can- two more days i'm gonna we'll take another test and watch out world i'm back <laughs> <laughs> I didn't miss the, the event we had a picnic on saturday to kind of welcome they had already been set up to welcome sent to the community, but it ended up being a lot deeper. And unfortunately I missed that, but uh, I want to thank everybody who came out for that too and showed their support and, you know, of the organization. And for one hood, you know, we, we want to, we want to be your partners as well because there's so much messaging that needs to get out across our community about this work, Uh, blowing up myths, like, like we blew up COVID myths. I want to be a part of blowing up myths around, around Planned Parenthood too. And, and just who we're here. And uh, we're here for everyone.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you both so much. I hope you have a great evening. All right. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank
0: you. Take care. And so that has been, you know, uh, this Monday's edition of the Power Hour. And we know that a lot of people are still, you know, wrestling with what's happening and with what's to come. And so we wanted just to talk a little bit about what people can do to mobilize and organize their communities, but also want to talk about the realities that face um, people who are seeking abortions um, and the the history that is connected to the uh, reproductive justice um, and abortion movement, because you can't really um, a fight for something if you're not always honest about like the good and I'm the bad of something and so I wanted again thanks so much to Dr. Sheryl Hall-Russell and Cindy Etheridge for like coming on and having that like honest conversation and there's uh, so much more to talk about so much more to engage and we'll be having more of those conversations um, and discussions because we want to ensure that people have um, informed consent you know We realized since Friday, a lot of people didn't really know what abortions were, didn't even know the rules and regulations about. Um, abortions, and so there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation um, about uh, this topic, and it's very controversial, and it's very, uh, you know, uh, polarizing for a lot of folks, but we want to just have a, a clear, um, honest conversation um, about abortion, um, you know, about different things that are impacting our communities, and we're still going to have even more conversations, some conversations we have coming up, we're going to be about gun violence and gun control, what does that mean for Black people? We're um, be we talking about uh, what does it mean um, for returning citizens uh, as they come back into community? Um, outside of voting, what um, options and opportunities are there for organizing and mutual aid? Um, so there are going to be a lot more intensive conversations and calls to actions in the coming weeks and months. And there really is no topic that we are uh, going to ignore or, or shy away from. And so I wanna thank you all uh, for tuning into this edition of the OneHood Power Hour. We know COVID-19 is really um, on the rise here in Allegheny County. So you have seen, you know, some little uh, staff changes here or there because of that. And so you wanna uh, uh, just send healing wishes to all of those who are impacted by COVID-19. Um, right now just remind people to wear your mask, Wash your hands. Practice your social distancing. If you can, um, you can, st- you um, still get vaccinated or even boosted if you would like. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities um, out there to make sure that you are being um, as healthy and as safe as possible um, and to make sure that you're um, able to have a safer uh, summer. There's a lot of opportunities coming up with One Hood and One Hood Power. So our media network is expanding and having a lot of great conversations that will be announcing soon. So I hope you all have a safe Monday. If you are eligible to vote and you're someone who is uh, engaged in electoral politics, we encourage you to register to vote um, for the November election. Um, We encourage you uh, to pay attention to what's going on in Pennsylvania. But if you're someone who's who's not eligible to vote or someone who is disenfranchised with voting, we still encourage you to get involved in the community, whether it's mentoring, organizing, mutual aid, as we say, we keep each other safe and there's room for all of us um, in this movement. And with that, my name is Miracle Jones. I hope you all have a great night. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's edition of the One Hood Power Hour.